I personally have seen a rise in podcasts from men during this pandemic, which I don't think is a coincidence that we've also seen a rise in job loss. So the first thing is these podcasts are an attempt at revenue and income. So you need to say whatever is required to get more clicks and more views so that you can make money. Most of the men giving this advice in this arena have not actually achieved the high value male status. So one, you don't know what's required or what you need in that situation because you're not actually in it. And you're giving this information to other men who have not achieved it. So they're going to buy what you're selling because they don't know any better. School is in session, fam. I am Donovan. Welcome to a special episode of Stranger Fruit. You are tuned into Summer School, our audio-only summertime series where we explore the last year. Across a few topics that we believe as black and brown folks, it is important that we are well-versed in. Where were we a year ago and where are we now? We have some really dope guests joining us for this series, so let's get started with Accountability 101, the third chapter of six. Now, if you don't already know, Stranger Fruit is a one-of-a-kind video podcast experience where you get to be a fly on the wall as some of the most brilliant young voices from the black and brown diaspora bring you unfiltered, thought-provoking conversations. We discuss and debate an array of fascinating topics from sex and politics to religion and even sports. Now, we may not always agree, but we are firm believers that conflict and compassion are a great recipe for empathy. Now, at the beginning of the summer, our beloved Kiki Palmer pulled a Moses and divided the internet like the Red Sea. That sheer dress seen around the world stirred up the ever-familiar and ongoing debate about women's body autonomy and men being unnecessarily vocal about what women should or shouldn't be wearing. Living in 2023, where women's reproductive rights have been taken away, Kiki's dress debate showcases why years of progress have been undone. We are distracted as fuck. We aren't on the same page as a community. Check out chapter two to get into politics 101 for more on that. But it is evident that with our dedication to internet wars, real life is feeling very doomsday ready. But these distractions and regressive policies being enacted at the same time aren't a coincidence, are they? The idea that what a woman wears is even up for debate is just a trickle-down effect from something far more insidious. Yep, you guessed it, the white supremacist-ass patriarchy and we wouldn't be stranger fruit if we didn't throw that out there. From the toxicities in relationships based on heteronormative ideologies keeping the genders divided, to the epidemic of loneliness among men, these systems are the root and cause of a lot of suffering globally, especially for black and brown people. The white supremacist patriarchy bus has been in service since before black people could ride on Greyhound, okay? And as of recent years, it has been making frequent local stops at the Manosphere, a toxic institution all on its own, serving as a false mecca for the meek and misguided to gain insight on masculinity and manhood and where extreme misogyny and opposition to feminism dictate where you stand as a man in society. Is it nature or is it toxic? We wanna find out how we got here and if it's killing our community's ability to heal. Special shout out to Dr. Donna, Jimmy, Nikki, Suna, Juice, Elijah Day, and Eric. And also shout out to Ileana, my co-host, for joining me for chapter three. Now let's kick it off with Jimmy, our resident cisgender heterosexual man to get into the toxicities of the Manosphere. Man, uh, 
Is it toxic? Is it not toxic? I think it's definitely, I mean, there's definitely an indicator that there are a lot of males in America that don't have a good point of reference or a father figure, and they're constantly searching uh, for, I guess, answers, right? They don't know, you know, what to do. A lot of guys are probably going to die unmarried in America now, right? A lot of men are lonely. Surreal. Um, and, you know, you have these influencers that are taking advantage of that opportunity, monetizing that. I think a lot of what, what's getting pushed out and what's popular is nonsense, you know, because this idea of high-value men, and when they talk about what one is, I'm supposed to then, I qualify for whatever stereotypical ideas that they're throwing at me. I qualify and what a high-value man is supposed to go after, it's so asinine and ridiculous to me. Because can you imagine you work hard, you fight your whole life you, to make something of yourself, and then when you turn around and you're looking for a woman, it has to be between the age of 18 and 23, in which the best uh, plan or idea that she has is to put up butt pics on Instagram or whatever, because that's who we have to aim for, super hot, sexy chicks between the age of 18 and 23, which is stupid, right? What, I'm going to marry a girl that reads at a fifth grade level? Like, that's the best I could do after fighting my whole life? Like, because I married a woman that's my age. She's supposed to be ruined and spoiled, and she's a physician. She's not submissive. I'm the antithesis of what's supposed to happen and what we're supposed to look for. That's a lot of bullshit. We had this conversation about Andrew Tate, and I think that that's Kevin Samuel's son. I don't know how it works. (laughs) I don't know how you arrive. But just like hearing the conversations and the level of toxicity, and the radicalization of men who are extremely lonely. I just wanted to mention that the statistics are crazy. The statistics of men who identify as lonely and who are looking for a place for refuge and company and like-minded people. And they go and they're geared towards folks who are saying, like, you need me. This is how you can get to the next phase. This is how you can get a woman. And it's just like this fucking hamster wheel of weirdness of insecurity, and I understand that there are levels to this shit. Let me tell y'all right now, I don't know what they're called, but I would say at the bottom of the barrel are incels. And I feel like that's what I see when I look at a lot of the people who are shown or who are celebrated. A lot of them just seem like they used to get their asses beat. Like high school was not a great place for them. And then they decided like, let me just drink this fucking protein shake and let me go do some push-ups real fast. And now I'm a bad bitch and everybody will treat me accordingly. And a lot of men feel like that that is the way to go. I want to specifically ask Dr. Donna about this. When Kevin Samuels passed away, you know where I'm going? When he passed away. he rested in something like peace. Yeah. When he passed away, there was this really, really big conversation that was happening online where a lot of women were like, fuck that motherfucker. Like, it was very like, we don't give a shit. And a lot of men were like, you know, y'all don't have any respect. The least you can do is just be kind. The man has passed away. And listen, I'm not going to talk crazy about the dead, but how is it that you can make a career out of talking shit about women, specifically black women, a lot of times, and then, and then expect that those same black women will not give a fuck about whether you die or not? Do you feel like the visceral reaction towards Kevin Samuels and, of course, his children, his followers, do you think like, their reaction is warranted. How do you feel about the men's reaction to that reaction, Dr. Donovan? I think it's huge, right? I think that we are often in a space when we are, when we believe that we have more power than we actually do. We're in a space of demanding people to give to us something that we have never given to them. 
And like to demand respect from a, a subset of people who you consistently and vehemently disrespect, I'm just like, wow, you got the motherfucking audacity. It must be two for one, right? Like it's on sale. But the, the, this idea that someone should give to you something that you haven't earned, this is, this is very mired in the idea of privilege in the first place. I mean, even this whole conversation, and I mean, I've been known to say this about everything from orgasms that people don't have to everything else. I'm like, I blame the white supremacist patriarchy, right? The white supremacist delusion allows people to believe that they should have things that what they deserve. So then he deserves respect because he died. I'm like, why? He died under a low-value woman, right? It, it, isn't that what he would have said on his little podcast? Right? Like, oh. I'm like, so I don't know. I'm like, he doesn't even practice what he preached. Why are you, why are you interested in canonizing someone who was a jackass? Right? So I just, I'm like, I guess it's your business. Do what you like. But yeah. no, no one has to join you and no one owes anyone mourning. And I think that that piece of tradition, right? And I, I think I said it once before, tradition ain't nothing but peer pressure from dead people. The, the tradition is that we give respect onto the dead. I'm looking like every dead person didn't deserve your respect in life. I'd be damned if I'm about to put up energy to give it to them in debt. Right, right. Yeah. In regards to Kevin Samuels, and I, I, I really get annoyed at when we pitch him as someone that attacks Black women because, you know, I don't, I never followed him until he went viral. And then when he did went, went viral, I looked at his videos. All he did was respond to a lot of what was being said by those women that were calling in. And, you know, a lot of the, t- a lot of the times, women would tell him, oh, I need a man that makes this much, man that's this, that, and a third. And he would always, you know, say, well, you know, how about a guy that makes 60 grand a year, he works hard, he can take care of you. They would berate that kind of option and shit on them. That's when he would go ahead, well, then who are you to then demand this, that, and a third? And that's how those conversations would end up unfolding. So the clips that get viral is him Explain it to a girl, like, hey, man, you don't do this. You don't even fix yourself up to even compete for the guy that you, you want after berating, you know, the average guy. Okay, y'all. So we scratched the surface a little bit. I'm sure some of you are still wondering, though, what the fuck is the manosphere? And who the hell is Kevin Samuels? Okay, so let's get into it. For nearly two decades, the Manosphere has thrived as a breeding ground for toxic masculinity and misogyny. It sprouted from the seeds of a Google group called Alt.Seduction.Fast in the late 90s, transforming into a movement of pickup artists or womanizers who believed that they had unlocked the secrets of being alpha males. Books like Neil Strauss's The Game further fueled their delusions, teaching them how to manipulate and coerce women. With its own unique language and culture derived from bodybuilding forums, frat movies, dating sites, and father's rights groups, the Manosphere found a virtual haven on platforms like Reddit, where these self-proclaimed geniuses gathered, driven by a sense of entitlement and bitterness. They believed that success and love, sex, money, and life should come effortlessly to them, but when reality hit and their entitlement wasn't met, whether from rejection from women or chronic unemployment, bitterness sank its teeth in, and they needed someone to blame. Enter racism, misogyny, homophobia, and xenophobia. Suddenly, it was black men's fault for stealing their women, immigrants taking their jobs, and women being labeled as bitches, sluts, and frigid. 
Soon enough, these beliefs shifted further to the right and became increasingly intertwined with whiteness. Why, you ask? This connection can be attributed to the correlation between privilege and entitlement. Traditionally, white men have occupied the pinnacle of the social hierarchy, and when they felt threatened, they directed their hatred toward the other and placed blame for emasculating their generation. This animosity birthed the alt-right, which, although ideologically fascist, distinguished itself by distancing itself from religious dogma and instead adopting various aspects of the manosphere. The alt-right found solace in conservatism and utilized platforms like Breitbart News, founded by Andrew Breitbart in 2007, to amplify their populist views on issues such as immigration and political correctness. The alt-right continued to be popularized by platforms like Reddit, serving as recruitment meetings for angry white men seeking an outlet for their frustrations. Clearly, this positions itself as far from the black experience as possible. So, how does a Kevin Samuel get his black ass entangled in all of this? Look, we don't like speaking ill of the deceased, so if you are so inclined, feel free to do some research on him. But we will acknowledge his use of the Manosphere template to draw up many divisive conversations among black men and women. Now that we've gotten that out the way, let's jump back in where Eric talks about his family and their work battling heterosexual normatives. Men will say that, but then tell their woman that they need to be this and the third. They need to be a slut, but they still need to be pure. They need to be at my hand and foot and also taking care of my kids. Men have standards for what their women want to be, but when a woman has standards for them, it's a problem. But I think because it's that power struggle of men already having what they need and thinking that women need them to be there. So women have to jump up to the level that they need to be at. But in reality right now, women are surpassing them. Women have their power. They have their independence. I see that in my mom. She don't need my dad. But she loves him, so he, she's there with him. But my dad was by, if my mom was by herself, I'm pretty sure she would be taking care of herself. She'd be doing the things that she needs to do, still going on her little cruise just like she do. She doesn't need my dad there, but I think it's the ideal set that men think that women need them. Well, I have a question. Do we feel like the toxicity is coming in through this ideal of what masculinity means and what femininity means? Or is there something deeper? Is it religion? Is it white supremacy? What, where do we think the toxicity is coming from? Love to comment on that if I can. I, I personally have seen a rise in podcasts from men during this pandemic, which I don't think is a coincidence that we've also seen a rise in job loss. So the first thing is these podcasts are an attempt at revenue and income. So you need to say whatever is required to get more clicks and more views so that you can make money. But also you hit on a very good point, which is that <clears throat> most of the men giving this advice in this arena have not actually achieved the high value male status. So one, you don't know what's required or what you need in that situation because you're not actually in it. And you're giving this information to other men who have not achieved it. So they're going to buy what you're selling because they don't know any better. Now, a person such as yourself, you're listening to it from the seat. So you're like, okay, you can't sell it to me because I already know what's happening. I'm already in it. Unfortunately, you have a generation of men who are experiencing job loss and, of course, insecurity based on this idea of masculine provision and things like that. So you have a really vulnerable audience, right? The problem is it's the blind leading the blind because it's not high value men 
telling non-high-value men how to get there. It's a bunch of men who haven't actually achieved these standards trying to wade their way through how that should work. And I think that's why you see so much resistance from women, because women are considering the source. A lot of the men are not, but women are saying, sir, what? how are you high-value? Why should I take what you're saying I would seriously? say it's because they're all laws. Like somebody said earlier that, it, that they prey on men who already feel laws. Um, and I think that there's a reason why in these manuscript spaces, you don't, you don't find homosexual men. And I think it's because while we dive into that masculine energy, we also acknowledge our feminine energy. So it's a lot harder to sell us on certain things because, like you said, we see what's going on. Or like you said, how Jimmy can see what's going on so he really doesn't pull him in like it pulls the rest of them. And when you're lost and you don't know yourself, it's easy for somebody to tell you, this is what you believe, and you feel like you have a community. And once you feel like you have a community, you're like, I'm going to hold this community down. Even if I'm not sure what we're talking about, like you said, a lot of times you catch them alone and try to get them to explain how they feel about something. And they can't really, well, it's just, it, is, it is what it is. Or I just can't, I can't verbalize it. You can't verbalize it because you don't know. You're just happy to be in a space where you feel supported by other people you've never really felt supported up until this point. Juice, bring it. Because I was just about to say, like, there, there's a yearning for intimacy and for connection. And so some people are erroneously, and like stray dogs, entering into this so-called manosphere because they feel like they're about to get this community, that connection, that love, because they are lonely. Okay, y'all. So Dr. Donna is like the fourth person to mention loneliness in men. So let's get into some facts. Research conducted in 2017 by Royal Volunteer Services in the UK suggests that millions of men are experiencing loneliness but are suffering in silence. The study finds an estimated 35% of men feel lonely at least once a week, while 1 in 10 men also say they are lonely but would never admit it to anyone. Other key findings from the research include 26 is the age that men think they had the largest group of friends and 38 when they had the smallest. Of the men that had experienced or are experiencing loneliness, the average age to feel the most lonely was 35. Over 1 in 20 men say they have no friends, and of those that do, nearly 1 in 10 have no close friends. About 28% see and speak to friends and family regularly, and 1 in 10 men do not see anyone on a regular basis. Men who are or have been lonely say it makes them feel isolated, depressed, and less confident. The epidemic of men and loneliness is real, y'all. Now, let's get back to Dr. Donna as she finishes up her point about the lonely, misguided mules of the manosphere. What they're not recognizing is that their school systems have failed them, so they have no critical thinking skills. So there is nothing here that is going to help them to grow, to get the thing that they're actually yearning for. So this ends up still being an empty-ass pursuit where they, they feel like, oh, well, I'm just not doing it right. I have to go deeper into it. I have to, I have to commit more fully so that I can pull out the so-called benefits that these people that they're listening to, who also have no benefits, are trying to sell them on. So. I mean, you say it's a grift. I'm looking like it's dumb. With dumb is dumb. I'm looking like the grift has to be somebody has to be smart here. And I think that all of these people are lacking in emotional intelligence, emotional intimacy, and are trying to glom and glean into each other to find it. But none of them know what to. They don't have. They don't have a damn clue. And a lot of them would tell you 
that emotional intelligence is a myth because that's part of like femininity and that's not what an alpha male subscribes to. I mean, the list goes on about all of the things that they would absolutely not do. But to your point, you're saying that emotional intelligence is absolutely essential. Yeah. They think that they're being logical when in reality, they're actually moving off the same emotion that they want to go ahead and condemn the feminine divine for. So I'm just like, here you are thinking that your feelings are facts. And I'm just like, well, that's not how that works. Feelings are not facts. Feelings are simply feelings. And this whole conversation, this whole thing that you're doing is devoid of any logic, any actual logic. But because you are a person who identifies as a man, because you are a person who has a penis, you believe that everything that comes out of your mouth is logical because we have been led to believe that the masculine is logical and the feminine is emotional and that one is somehow lesser than the other when indeed, number one, you need both. And emotion ain't nothing but additional information, right? I'm like, emotions are just information. I'm looking like, you feeling anxious? Good. Anxiety's job has one purpose, keep your ass alive, right? Anger has but one purpose, to let your ass know that your boundaries have been crossed. So I'm looking like you're over here throwing emotions away while feeling everything and thinking everything that you have to say is logical. It's illogical and it's so infantile. Jimmy, I want you to jump in and then let's go to Asuna. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of a lack of introspection in regards to these influencers because like a lot of what they argue about, look at the subject matter. They're arguing over, you know, a woman, these women have to do this, cook, clean. Yes, they're illogical. They have to submit. They always submit to their bosses. When you really look at it, because women are very, very logical, right? If you are everything a man is supposed to be, submission isn't a conversation. They just naturally defer to you because they acknowledge that you're legit. They can rely on you. <laughs> you're doing your job. And so if you have multiple relationships and the entire time you have an issue with submission, because you ain't shit. That's not even an argument that you have if you're a man, right? And so, you know, but that conversation's never really had. I don't even people get to be alpha means, okay, think of the idea of alpha being a leader. To be a leader, you have to have been a follower first. So to be an alpha, you have to have a level of submission to you in order to properly be an alpha and lead. And people don't even understand how are you going to be an alpha and lead this woman if you're not even in touch with the emotional side, the feminine side, to know what she needs in those moments where you're supposed to be leading her. So I always say the foundation of submission is trust. And so if I can't trust that you know what I'm feeling or you know what I need when I'm scared, when I'm sad, when I'm angry, when I'm this, when I'm that, how can I let you lead me? But they don't even think about that. It's like alpha is strong. That's domineering. And there's a quote I love, which is that if I'm actually in charge, I only have to whisper. I never have to shout. Right. The one, like you said, the one that is actually secure and in power would never have to force you because then you don't have any influence. Power is influence. If you can't influence someone simply by your presence and what you're bringing to the table, you don't have any power. And also, I don't generally see alpha, what I as assume to be alpha personalities going around and be like, I'm alpha, I'm alpha, I'm alpha, I'm alpha, I'm alpha, I'm alpha. Just so y'all know, it, it's not a thing. It's weird. Come on, jo join in sooner. You can't, you can't buy something that you already have right? <laughs> they are trying to aspire to relationships that don't exist because they are based on uh, this idea of how women and how men act that is not real, right? This, you just said it. It's like this 
I always knew that it wasn't right the way that woman rejected me. I always knew that, but you know, they made me think it was me. But now they're finally someone who's telling me it's not me, it's you. It's you. Whole time, it was you, it wasn't me. And so on one hand, they're trying to aspire to this, but then on the other side, they think in the back of their mind that they've already attained it, right? So they're like, I already have it, but I'm still going to continue. Someone else said, like, I have to go deeper and deeper and deeper because I'm not there yet. It's like a pyramid. It's like I have to continue to and I have to continue to invest, 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 invest. And I just keep losing bigger and bigger. And I'm just like at the end of the day, I just continue to become more of an incel. I never gain value, which is the whole point. The whole point is I'm supposed to become a high value man. But the more I invest myself in it, the lower my value drops. And I'm just more miserable because I'm investing into this to get a payout and it's not coming. Right. And so I'm just getting madder at women because I'm still invested in this and I'm like, okay, something's not working and I know it can't be me because the men are telling me that it's not me. It's not me. It's got to be you. And so they're just getting madder and madder and more miserable and nobody gaining any value. Yeah, that's right? a really, really great point. And the way that connects to trauma? Jesus. I, have a, I have a quick question. So um, <laughs> I wanted to just like hit this part of it because as a queer man, I'm thinking about like how people put me in a box, right? Specifically the folks in the manosphere, how they put queer people in a box. Like, you shouldn't even be having this conversation if you're gay. You can't talk on these relationships if you're gay. But we're around Black men all the time. We are Black men. We're here. We're having conversations with Black folks all the time. We remember our dads. We didn't forget him. We know what we experienced. So to try to remove us from the conversation is very beneficial to their argument. What I've seen are beta men who do not, and nothing wrong with beta men. If you're beta, be happy. But beta men who do not want to be challenged. And because they do not want to be challenged, the only alpha that they really see are the Kevin Samuels of it. It's the leader of the pack as they see it. That's who we listen to. So if you're a queer person, you're saying you're wrong. What are you talking about? They told me that you you shouldn't have an opinion on this because you're a gay person. You're, You're less than. You're a feminine. You're this and you're that. And for me, as a queer man who loves to have conversations with men, it doesn't matter if you're queer, if you're straight, it doesn't matter. I know a lot of secure, straight men. And when I tell you, it's completely different. Don't don't get me wrong. We got to recover from a lot of our shenanigans and the patriarchy and white supremacy and all that kind of shit. But Jimmy's not like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that you fit that particular archetype when it comes to, you know, having a certain amount of money, but the language, the victimization, like they're perpetual victims is interesting. But... I have a question to their defense. Do you think that we are too critical about these men, but we are not critical about women who oftentimes can be very like, oh no, I want a kind of man who's going to do this. He's going to buy me this. He's going to get this for me and do this for me. You have a lot of people who are saying those women, how come nobody ever critiques those women who are upholding the patriarchy? Nobody ever centers them in conversation. Do you think that we over-criticize these men? Go ahead, Jimmy. Crit- I believe in, in regards to the relationship between men and women, you should never critique women because they usually reflect what the hell is happening on the other side. I always critique men. And it's like, I mean, you... They're going to write you know, about you, Jimmy. You know how many women... I love, like, you know how many women... In my, when I was young, because I'm, I'm a lifelong conservative, in New York, one of in New York at that. You know how many girls... I would never... Republican, disgusting, cat, you know, when in my 20s, right? In my 20s, like... 
you know, girls with I need this, I need that, I need this. You go through their history of who they dated. It doesn't even reflect what they're talking about. So everyone's talking at the end of the day. And really, if there's, if there's an issue in regards to the relationship between men and women, it's really you got to start with the men first. What are y'all doing? One thing I could say that I pulled from the man instead, I was like, that could be a positive. Well, I do feel like a lot of the times we hear a lot of niggas ain't shit, niggas ain't shit, niggas ain't shit, niggas ain't doing what they supposed to do, they ain't doing this, they ain't doing that, but there's a lot of women that ain't shit, that ain't doing what they supposed to do, that ain't doing this, they ain't doing that, and we never really hear about it, but we're so used to hearing that niggas ain't shit that we just let it ride, like, it's just normal for us, but I think there needs to be accountability on both sides. We're at the place now where both sides need to improve so that we can all improve together. And it can't be, well, oh, let's just look at the guys. And then once we improve the guys, the girls will improve. Let's improve at the same time so that we can rise at the same time. But we have to start having discussions about women who do have all these expectations, but aren't willing to do any work or aren't investing in themselves or aren't investing in their partner so that he can do these things for you that he wants to do. Like, we have to start having those conversations too. We can't just keep beating the men down. One may seem more harsh than the other, or one may seem more like this needs to be critiqued now to us than the other. But we both have individual things we need to work on, but we need to discuss both. I, I don't know. I, I'm always about critiquing anyone that needs to critique. I don't really care, man, woman, trans, non-binary, because we all have something to work on. But this is why I also say that, you know, heterosexual relationships takes a lot. Although I know queer relationships take a lot as well oh, as a God. queer man. Mm. But watching heterosexual people go in this battle every day about what a man is supposed to be, what a woman is supposed to be. It looks exhausting. Are y'all exhausted? I, are y'all, exactly. Are you I'm not exhausted? exhausted? I feel like that it's like a, it's a, it's a talking point every time on Twitter. And I'm just like, I just don't get it. It's just like, if you being a good human, human being, if you're fitting into your masculine and feminine energy, you will understand that. But see, I got to understand what it really meant to be in a responsible heterosexual relationship because my parents are that. Like I explained before, my mom is a very alpha person. My dad is too, though. But they know how to submit to each other. I watch that. My mom's not emotional. She's a, log- she's a very illogical person. I learned emotion from my father. But, and this is a man that is from the hoods of Gary, Indiana. He raised a queer son, like me. And I was still learning. I knew how to be who I wanted to be. He didn't judge me for where that was. And my mom taught me how to be stern, how to be independent. I think it's the understanding of that what your parents are doing and what makes sense to them. It, you don't have to be this. You don't have to be that. But when you know how to treat each other with respect and knowing what you can do with that, I think that's how you raise the right type of son, the right type of daughter, the right type of children. But I think we're always in this constant battle of who needs the power. Or if you have the power, this is what the power looks like. I don't give a fuck what that looks like. Do you know how to communicate? Do you know what my love languages are? Do you know how to work together and cohabitate together, collaboration? And I think we're... I don't think those things happen a lot. And I think we come into this battle of back and forth, this and that, and it's too loud and I'm honestly exhausted. Yes, that was great, thank you. You know, when I hear this, I automatically think of erasure. Like the erasure of one's own self. I think the thing that really bothers a lot of these men about queer people, about trans people, about alpha female archetypes, is that it lives in the space of nuance that disrupts people who believe that in order to be successful and have a complete experience that they need to be in a box. And the box looks like this. So if you're a queer person and you're standing on the margins of femininity and masculinity, if you're a woman and you're doing all of these things that somebody told me that I'm supposed to do, that is my job, 
who am I outside of that context? If your woman is super successful or your partner is super successful and you're not doing that, but the whole archetype that I'm trying to fit into says that I need that, of course I'm mad. That anger part is what I'm curious about. What the fuck do we do with this anger? It's just, it's there. It's always there. It's always present. I would even say about like my family, I love my family, but there are some very angry men, right? And the reason why is because they were allowed, we were allowed to be reared in an environment where there was a severe lack of accountability. And without that level of accountability, you can't take inventory of what and how you're contributing to your own experience. And to me, that yields erasure. When I think about a lot of queer men who want to hold on to masculinity, they want to hold on to their power, you don't want to let people know that you're queer, right? Because that takes away from you. Oftentimes when you do the work, you find out your queerness actually gives you power. So I say that to say, like, I'm concerned for these men because as they try to find their identity, they are, in fact, losing themselves. And the community is what suffers from that. The gender wars have been going on forever. I think that this new archetype of the manosphere, high-value man has caused a huge disruption. I think that um, putting that name on it and calling it a thing and then going live at a certain time to get lessons on it is really fucking problematic. Because we have a lot of men who are being radicalized to believe that they can go out and attack young women. These are babies, 18 to 23-year-olds are babies. They're not there for your sexual gratification and for you to just put all of your toxicity and all of your trauma into to then divorce them at a certain age when it's now time for you to get your next child because you're still, in fact, an infant that never dealt with your shit. And it's that type of erasure that I'm concerned about for Black men specifically. I think Black people, we need to establish our own, brown folks, establish our own and not depend on somebody like Kevin Samuels, no shade, I haven't seen many of his videos, but I don't give a fuck because a click is a click, right? A viral video is a viral video and people got that. And now they are the loudest voices. So the last thing that I'll say is that for men like you, Jimmy, who may have a lot of things going for them, it's important to be just as loud. It's important to push back and say, this is not, in fact, a reality for me. This is a reality for me. And here's what it looks like so that people can start to see that there are different ways to be a man, a full man. There are so many men who love trans women and are so fucking scared that they have put themselves in a prison and they wreak havoc upon our community. Is that not a fucking problem? I think that that's insane. So I would like to see that change. I'd like to add one last thing. Okay. This is something, Austin, that comes in the first 10 years of life. So they, because of how strictly masculinity, manhood, boyhood has been defined, Every piece of them that does not fit inside this, now you are in a space of an identity crisis. This is a trauma. And they are trying to find themselves, but they are looking in the wrong place and trying to define and redefine themselves according to this community that they're glomming into because they don't know what else there is out there for them to see. And I agree. I think that Men have to speak yes. because if you're not speaking up, the loudest voices continue to be the ones of other traumatized people. And those traumatized people are further traumatizing these other people. And when we talk about breaking intergenerational cycles of harm, I'm looking like this is a pyramid scheme of harm at every single level. So 
I have been indoctrinated into this. I am traumatized. I'm going to indoctrinate you into this. You are traumatized. You will add somebody. They are traumatized. And it just keeps fucking going until something comes along to disrupt it. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. Because I was like, white supremacy is the reason why we even have this cycle. Like, white supremacy defines masculinity as white men being the default. And as a result, white supremacy, or even the patriarchy tells us that men are supposed to be providers. And if they're not, you're not a man. So then you got women saying, well, this nigga can't provide. He's not a man. So it, she's she's critiquing men, Black men, off the standard that they subscribe to, even though that standard was never made for them or made with them in mind because it was used as a way to still make them feel less than a man because they are not white or they're not close to proximity and whiteness. But for me, to add to that as well, from the queer perspective, I think you brought it up as well because being queer, gender non-conforming, I do drag as well. So I play with gender. So the fact that, according to the manuscript, because I'm gay and I play with gender, I'm not adding to the family. I'm not creating more space for Black people. And also, because I'm feminine, I'm less of a man. But I've learned that oftentimes I have a different perspective from being masculine and feminine. Because I am gay, I realize I don't have to subscribe to a lot of notions of what it means to be a man. I think I said this before, like, I've learned being gay that masculinity is not owned by men and femininity is not owned by women. Because just because you're a woman doesn't mean you have to be feminine. I mean, we see masculine presenting women all the time. The same way we have feminine presenting men or those who refuse to identify with either within a spectrum. So for me, that when it comes to that idea, I'm always used as the punching bag or like you brought up before, antithesis of what it means to be a man according to the manosphere. Because I'm the fat, feminine Black man who cross-dresses and splits on the weekends. But in reality, according to their standard, I would be an alpha male because I am providing for my family. Period. For me, what has always been important to me in this conversation is bringing in the women that end up being in these types of relationships. When I was 22, I was in a very verbally abusive relationship. But sometimes it just takes that one person, like my mother, who told me to get out of the relationship, to tell you why you should get out of the relationship, why they're seeing the danger that's coming in front of you if you don't get out. So it really does take a whole village to kind of be there for you, for women specifically. So men talk to men, men to also talk to women about the abusiveness behind all of this rhetoric. A pyramid scheme indeed. You really brought it home with that point, Suna. Everyone so far did a great job of dissecting what the hell the manosphere even is. Stay tuned for the next chapter to see why the panel calls BS on everything the manosphere stands for and how it will never, ever be for or serve black people or any other oppressed identity. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and go ahead, leave us a five-star review for some extra credit and be sure to join us next week for the rest of our summer school series right here on Stranger Fruit. Until next time, be kind, be curious, and be fruitful. Peace.